LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel Center ministry every week. Now, Derek, we were at the Bolo last night. Well, the Workers' Club. And Workers' it, Club. It was an experience. It was. Uh, it, I was. I was surprised by the amount of people at a you know at a workers' club. Which I, I, for those listening in, Derek's got this sort of bemused you know bemused face. But we were in a a small country sort of you know location, and I was surprised by the amount of people there. Well, this is what happens when you come from snobby Sydney, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, every everywhere is like that in Queensland. I put on my best thongs to go out last night, but it was good. The food was excellent. Food was excellent. Company was excellent, and uh, Derek did did beat me in pool. I did. That's true. Only because you ran away. Anyway, <laughs> the one thing is brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. Over the past ten years, let me say, we've been hundred churches throughout the network that we have partnered with, and I just want to give a quick plug, as I might this year, to keep driving because we want to see two hundred more churches in the next uh, ten years by twenty thirty. That is our vision. That's our goal. And uh, look, if you are thinking about church planning, if you want to reach the loss, we would love to talk to you about that. But Janine Push, that's who it's brought today. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, More Salvations in Your Church. Now, talk to us about this episode, Scott. What's happening? Well, I guess the big idea of this episode is to give uh, an introduction to some of the issues that have been raised in two episodes from the Reach Australia podcast series. So we've just released a a series on mission that Dave Jensen is hosting with a number of mission pastors and church leaders from across the country and also overseas as well. And so this episode, we, we I guess, want to raise a few issues raised out of two episodes and point you to that resource. Great. Well, uh, you listened to a couple of clips from these, Scott. So we're going to play one now. This is Rico Tice. Uh, let's play the clip and I'll, uh, I'll pick your brains on it afterwards. So I think I think I think if you really do believe in hell, you know I just think that's a huge thing, brother. And so so I, I love what Frank Retief um, says. We should have a, this as a mission statement in all our churches. You know we all have various mission statements. My personal mission statement is this: people without Christ go to hell. So I want to organise my time. And Frank Retief in down in Cape Town gets people to organise. Now we've got to get the tone right. We've got to say it with tears, but. Jesus is the theologian of hell. He says it again and again. Now, if I believe that and I love people, why can I not warn them? And I've found the logic of that has never left me, really. All right, Scott, talk to us about that. What, what is it that struck you from that clip? Well, I guess, I guess the first thing is, is hearing again Rico's personal mission statement. So he talks, he talks about it being without Christ, people go to hell. And, and that being a real clear motivation for him. Uh, 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 the reality of hell and the reality, the reality of that driving and motivating his desire to tell people about Christ. Uh, it is one of those topics that's um, culturally really confronting and very, very off-putting, very confronting relationships. Uh, there's a number of those kind of red-hot issues around you know, sexuality, but hell probably is right up there with those things that the exclusivity of Christ and the impact of not placing your trust in him, what that means, not just for you know, a thousand years, but eternity, 
wow, that is just a brutally confronting truth. I guess a big question, you know, as well coming out of the podcast is, well, how do we actually discuss hell, talk about hell, uh, you know, with unbelievers? What, you know, what did you say, you know, your time at Village? What are you seeing at time now at Ithaca, you know? Uh... Yeah, well, I think that the confronting nature of the topic um, does make you rethink how it is you talk about it. I, I don't, it can't make you rethink whether you talk about it or not. Um, I think you have to talk about it. So um, I, I think the the truth of, of the gospel and what God has done in rescuing us from uh, darkness and into light, moving us into the eternal kingdom of his son, uh, that view of eternity needs to be there both in the positive and in, and in the confronting negative as well for that. And I think the, the Bible is quite clear on this topic, so I don't think we can avoid it. Now, I'm not saying preach on hell every single week. Um, I would preach on hell as often as the Bible brought it up in the passage I was speaking on, or alternatively, when it was appropriate in, in presenting the gospel as well. And by appropriate, I don't, see, I don't, don't mean sometimes you don't share, but there's, you know, when you're presenting the gospel, there are sometimes different aspects of the gospel that you are emphasising at different points. But people need to understand what they are being rescued from in order to understand what they are being rescued to. That is absolutely fundamental. Um, and so if you're a preacher, if you're leading a church, if you're leading ministry, we need to work out how to deliver it. You're not asking the question whether to deliver it, though. Um, but that how is is tricky. And the, the, the positive and the negative side, the positive side, God's actually going to be doing something about uh, sin. Uh, he's going to you know, finally deal with those, the injustices in the world and those who have um, rebelled and, and wronged uh, him uh and his and his people uh the the net you know that that's i guess dealing with the the, the positive and the you know and the negative side of things well there's there's a reality that it, you know you go to a funeral of, of someone who you love um as rico points out you know his, his grandmother um you know only only he knew why his his brother who was also a christian in the room was was shedding tears you know as the as the bible was preached uh, and the reality of hell was uh, was spoken about it does. And now, again, I've, Al is very good on this, um, who you mentioned before, uh, because he, he drives towards saying this is not an unemotional topic. This is not a distant, uh, you know, kind of arm's length. This is, this is right. So if you are preaching about hell and you're doing it in a cold, clinical, detached way, and I say you probably haven't understood hell. Um, you haven't understood what it is that, that is facing all of us without the grace of God. But... In, understand, in order to understand the grace of God. You know, you don't get to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it's by grace you have been saved without understanding Ephesians 2, 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. There's that, that con you, we, we need to work out how it is we deliver that truth in a way that uh, is clear and faithful to what the Bible teaches and only causes offence in so much as the Bible causes offence. Now, Rico had this, this kind of really helpful illustration of how he talks about hell with unbelievers. And, and that was, you know, he often carries a pack of cigarettes. Uh, now, not, not to, you know, smoke a diary and to, uh, to sort of relax at the end of the day, but to say, here are these packet of cigarettes is a warning message. And if you were my friend and you saw me having a smoke, you would point that out that, hey, a lot of medical evidence says this is not the most wisest thing to be doing. Likewise, as a Christian, you'd be... You know, you'd be wanting if you actually love this person and were a friend of this person to actually point out 
well, hey, uh, there is there is going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a point in time where you're going to be called to account and you have to do business with, um, with Jesus. Uh, and so the loving thing to do is actually to present that warning, you know, that, that sort of health message. All right, Scott, excellent. So you, that's uh, Rico Dice. Now, you watched uh, the missional theology in practice with Andrew Hurd as well. We're going to hear a short clip from that, and I'm going to pick your brains on that. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 14, verse 1. There's an astonishing little statement there where Luke reports that Paul preached in such a way that a great many Jews and Greeks believed. Now, that's disturbing because what it suggests is that the way he preached was connected with the outcome of people being converted. Now, we, we kind of rebel against that and want to say, no, 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 it's, it's God who gives the growth, 1 Corinthians 3. Um, but 1 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11, Paul talks about doing whatever needs to be done to, to see people converted, follow his example as he follows the example of Christ. So there's a number of features of the New Testament that just knock us a little bit off that simplistic idea of faithful, not fruitful. It's God's job. Uh, there is enough in the New Testament that says the two go hand in hand, where to pursue fruitfulness and take some responsibility for it. Not ultimate, but under God, we do influence and impact the outcomes of fruitfulness. Okay. Andrew Heard, missional theology and practice. What struck you from that one? Well, I, I guess again, I mean, it, it's great hearing. Uh, there's a number of things, but it was great just hearing uh, Andrew's testimony. Uh, you know, at the start of the podcast, he talks about you know the family that he grew up in um, and how the gospel struck him and changed him radically. I, I love. I mean, I love hearing conversion stories. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it seeing actually the gospel working people's lives from darkness to light that's huge it is um it is what keeps me going hearing that stuff um which let me give a big plug 200 more churches new churches reaching new people we need more church plants church planters church planting couples teams with them anyway that's not what we're talking about at the moment uh let me push back into around conversion theology and practice uh you spoke about responsibilities for outputs yeah, so it's something that obviously that if you've been to a team pastoring conference, if you heard Hurdy at a, you know at a ministry gathering, uh, he'll he'll push into outcomes and push into that uncomfortable one that a lot of churches don't measure, which is conversions. Uh, and if you've again spent any time with Andrew, he'll, he'll love to talk about the people that are making decisions for Christ at EV Church. Uh, he'll love hearing you you know talk about those stories in 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 your church as well. Uh, and but I, I guess the uncomfortableness of of that conversation is actually asking the question, well. You know, why is it in some of our churches we're not seeing uh, growth? Why is it uh, that we're not seeing people respond to Christ? And and the uncomfortable part of it is actually asking yourself the question, what part am I playing in that? Now, we know God is sovereign. We know that it's uh, the spirit uh, that turns people towards Jesus. We know that, you know, God has chosen us before the creation of the world uh, to, to be his uh, sons and, and daughters. Um but there, there is a sense that our, our role as a church is to proclaim the gospel. Um, and there are some things that we can, you know, uh, that some things that we're doing that are, that are helping that process. And there are some things that we're doing that are not. And, and to be asking those questions, you know, it's, it kind of doesn't make sense to just keep repeating and doing the same things if we're actually not seeing that fruit and bearing that fruit. So, I mean, he, he mentions Acts 14 uh, and, and how Luke records, you know, Paul speaking in such a way 
that a great number of both Jews and Greeks uh, believed. Now, talk to us about the myths quickly, because uh, anyway, that one of the things, the challenging things, is you, you, we would love everyone to be the evangelist, the person constantly inviting friends to new things or sharing the gospel uh, with work colleagues and seeing people around them become Christians. Um, but not everyone is wired like that. I'm not wired like that. So there's no reason I should expect everyone else to be. Um, but how, how, does, how does this myth play out in leading churches in the life of the church? So he talks about three uh, three myths. He's, you can read, and I'll, I'll put in the show notes, uh, a link to a paper that uh, Hurdy has done on on mission. It's, that's really quite helpful to read that we had at a, at a Multiply conference a few years ago. Um, but the three that he talks about are this. The first one, everyone will become an evangelist if I just mature them enough. And, and you know, the, the maturity myth or the, you know, the maturity myth. The reality is we actually need uh, structures. You know, we need systems in place, uh, gospel delivery systems that people can actually have the confidence to bring their friends along to. The reality is that we have a body as well uh, that works towards seeing people make decisions for Christ. You're not saying you don't want individuals to share the gospel with their friends and that can't see people become Christians. You're just saying that's not the only thing that can happen. In fact, it's an unrealistic expectation to make sure make everyone see that as their goal. All right, second one. Um, if I just tack on the course, it'll all work. Uh, so it's, I guess it's a sort of silver bullet uh, evangelism. You know, if we just get the right course, uh, then you know everything will work. Now courses are working, uh, you know, and 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 are very helpful. You know, I'm very thankful that we've, you know, you've actually got a, a number of courses to choose from. You know, introducing God, simpler Christianity, Christian Explored, Alpha, Alpha Online, uh, you know, Life Life Explored, uh, Life. Uh, you've even got you know Keller, you know Keller series. There's, there is there is a lot to choose from, and you know I'd encourage most churches to actually bespoke them and work out what actually works best in your context, you know, do that hard work of, of tweaking and, and changing. The, the reality is you need a regular pattern. We've talked lots about, get, you know, setting up a mission calendar. Uh, the reality is you need a regular pattern uh, that you're constantly uh, calling people uh, to bring their friends along to and, and to come along to. Now, the third one is I just need to free up five evangelists in my church and unleash them. Uh, you know, it's it's looking for the you know the equip the big E evangelist, the person who uh, is you know is just always great at this. Uh, now that you know, he he speaks about the reality that um, actually, if you free up those people, uh, they'll just go and join the local soccer club. You know, they're often the the busier people in the church. They're the extroverts. Uh, you know, they love being involved in things. So if you just free them up so they can go out and do the work then you're probably going to lose them to a whole bunch of, uh, of other activities as well. Uh, so the thing is to actually actively engage them to be uh, bringing, inviting and getting, getting them involved in the, you know, in the mission team, uh, you know, seeing them as part of a key team on a Sunday morning that's actively working to evangelize uh, non-Christians and unbelievers as they come into your church. Excellent. Well, you can listen to uh, Rico and Andrew Hurd uh, and others in that podcast in full. So check out our show notes and we'll send you links to uh, to those or you'll see links to those. We don't need to send them to you. That's how the internet works. You just click on it. It'll be on the web. You'll be fine. Anyway, Scott, what's the one thing that you want to say about more salvations in your church? I'd say uh, keep listening to stories of what other churches are doing so that you can be tweaking and changing uh, and working on 
what you're doing in your local context to see more people wander across. Excellent. And uh, Scott, what is in the toolbox today? Well, obviously, uh, you want to jump in, dive in, listen to the 10 episodes of the Mission uh, podcast series. And as well, you can jump onto the Reach Australia uh, website and the Geneva Push website as well. Check out the online resource library. Uh, we, we did this whole topic of mission in 2019 at the first Reach Australia conference. And so there's a number of uh, talks uh, on this topic and I'd encourage you to jump in and listen to those. Excellent, that's brilliant. Well, if this episode has been helpful, uh, then I would encourage you to do a couple of things. Here's one, talk about it with your ministry team, talk about it with other people in your church. Even if there's areas you disagree with, that's fine. Start the discussion, kick it off. Can I say the other thing I want to drive you towards as well, the Rich Australia Conference, which is happening this year, this is a place where churches from all over Australia come together to work out how to do these things in a way that is both biblically faithful and more effective in their local context. Let me uh, encourage you to go along richaustralia.com.au. You'll see a link to the conference there. Uh, the last one is I want to point you to a mission planning episode on episode 85. Uh, if you think through this more, that'll help you. But that is enough from us. I'm Derek Hanna. I'm Scott Sanders. Chat soon. Chat soon.